Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the breakfast show with me, Ryan Huang, from a thriving role in blockchain and venture capital to taking a bold leap into her father's struggling car tire business. Today's guest on my own business is a testament to resilience and determination. We'll unravel the secrets behind her triumph over challenges, including shouldering the huge burden of a six figure debt, not getting paid a salary her ingenious utilization of social media to drive success and her relentless pursuit of automotive expertise in, of course, a predominantly male industry. And this series of events of this young life, only 27 years, is filled with twists and turns that we'll be unpacking. And of course, it is sounding like a movie right now. Let's invite Cordelia Tan. She is the director for Pit Stop tires to hear her story, advice on entrepreneurship, personal growth, and shattering stereotypes. Cordelia, welcome to the show. Hey, hi Ryan. Thanks for having me. Hey, we've um, heard so much about you before the interview started. That's why we wanted to get you on. But I think a lot of our listeners want to get you to well introduce yourself a bit more first. So you've graduated from NUS with a Bachelor of Arts with Honours yep. in Linguistics. And then you started mm-hmm. to make headway into the promising and vibrant blockchain and venture cap industry. So it's quite a promising career two years ago, I believe. And then you jumped into the automotive industry. What was behind that key reason to give up that corporate job, which was, I guess, pretty stable and mm-hmm. something that was uh, in line with passion, actually? I think there were both like push and pull factors, right? So I would just start with the push side. So the push side, I've been doing it like even before I graduated. So I did a lot of internships like with the mm. NUS Overseas Colleges program. And then I was doing it, but I wasn't getting that sort of sense of fulfillment. So I saw like the startups growing, right? But I was just, you know, left behind in the, in the like with the investment side. So then when I saw, like when I found out that my dad's business was doing super horribly, it was really like the push moment where I was like, okay, now that I have some expertise, I would say some limited expertise in growing startup, I was like, why don't I take this opportunity to take what I've learned and put it back into a traditional business? Yeah. Mm. So you talked about working with dad. This is sometime in 21. Mm. How bad was it? Paint a picture for us when you first started. Oh, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. So I mean, it was horrible and exciting at the same time, right? Starting something new was always exciting. But it was horrible because when I went into it, I didn't know how bad it was. So I was going in thinking like, oh, no, it's just a little bit bad because of COVID. Mm. But when I went in and like pink letters after pink letters and bounce checks after bounce check came in, and I kept getting the $40 fee for each bounce check, then I was like, okay, I think this is way worse than I expected. So that was really difficult. So on the one hand, we had a lot of financial difficulty. But on the other hand, it was also still very difficult for me because after all, it was my first time in the automotive space. And I wasn't I wasn't sure about how the industry worked, like supplier side-wise and on the side of cars. So 
I wasn't really sure about how you know what the whole engine system was. So that was quite yeah. difficult. I heard time. at one stage mm. your internet was cut off as well. Uh, well, yeah, internet, uh, utilities. So we got all the letters. Basically, all the letters that you could get, we got. <laughs> yeah, in terms of cash flow, I think uh, it was uh-huh. also quite scary. Uh, cash flow was uh, non-existent, essentially. So when whenever my like ven- venture cat friends ask me, right, they'll be like, oh, how long's your runway? And I'm like, one day, maybe. <laughs> so if I don't make the money today, tomorrow we're dead. Wow. Yeah. I was really sitting at that, the edge of it. That was fun. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, you mentioned yeah. you went through entrepreneurship mm-hmm. courses and you had some experience mm. there. When you actually went mm. into it, you know, applying things in real life, how much did it match yeah. up? Did you get surprised by mm-hmm. the experience, I guess, when it comes to the real world? Uh, on the real world side, I would say it's a lot of bootstrapping, right? So mm-hmm. whatever you learn, like let's say in your marketing books, entrepreneurship books, they're like, okay, so these are the things that you need to look at that customers want. Uh, actually, it's very difficult to break it down in the real world because not everything applies. So it's more of learning from experience. You're gonna like, okay, I'm gonna try this. If it doesn't work, I'm gonna try something else. Then you keep trying until something works. Yeah, it's more or something more like that. Yeah, I imagine books will give you a bunch of stuff, and you have to figure out everything else on your own, right? What <laughs> yeah, works, what doesn't. Yeah, yeah. When to change your strategy as well. And talking about strategy, Cordelia, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you've also used your experience with social media to help boost your yeah. business at the time. What was that like? Um, so social media came, I had to use it. There was basically no choice, right? Because I had no budget for advertising. So I did look up, you know, like how much it would be to go onto the radio and stuff. I was like, <gasps> super shocked. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't have this. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was definitely had a very low budget. So I was, okay, we need to go with like the most low cost efficient way in order to get like my pictures across, like my cars across, our services across. So I started with Facebook and Instagram and then I was like okay they also still want me to pay so let's try TikTok so it started like uh, being a trend a couple of years ago and I was like, okay, this is my chance to go viral. And then when I I did it, and after maybe like, let's say 20 videos of barely any views, something really went viral. And I was like, oh my goodness, this actually has quite a big impact on the business growth. Yeah, I've seen some of the videos before. And this yeah. is around you and your workshop and your overalls, mm. you know, talking about your tires. And in a very... <laughs> Interesting way, I guess it's quite refreshing. You've got a very good energy around you and it really captures mm-hmm. someone's attention. Uh, so you mentioned your video went viral. Do you figure out what it takes? What it takes to go viral? What do you need to do in your video? Not at all. So if I could figure out the TikTok algorithm, I would be a genius, I think. So not at all. So uh, my strategy now is just free and pre, like Venture Cap, right? So just do as many videos as I can and then hope that one of them goes viral. Yeah, we mentioned social media. So how much has that changed your business like um, the numbers mm-hmm. you're bringing in the type of demographics mm-hmm. that now visit your business ah, so the demographic sorry the demographics really have changed a lot so my dad's customer tends to be a bit more like his age like 50 plus 60 plus but I realised after doing social media it's changed to like mid-30s a lot of mid-30s yeah and so it's cars quite interesting as well. and tough cars sorry? as well the tough cars who come to your workshop cars I think we've always had like a range, right? So we've had everything. So from the bread and butter all the way to the supercars. Because mm. my dad is a bit more specialized. So he does get a little bit more like continental supercar sorts uh, wow. back in the day. And now, now not so much, but back in the day, yeah. Well, in mm. conversation with Cordelia Tan, she is the director of Pit Stop Tires. So she is helping or has jumped into her family business to help turn it around. And this was around two years ago. 
And this was without any experience in the car industry, but she's come a long way. And you've had to actually overcome a lot of stereotypes or at least how people look at you. you know, people might be wondering, who is this girl? You know, does she have what it takes to run a car workshop? How do you manage to overcome that initial skepticism? How much was that? Um, I would say actually in Singapore, we're quite lucky. So there's definitely a stereotype like, oh, girls shouldn't be in the workshop. But it's not like a negative stereotype where they're like, no, you cannot be in the workshop. It's more like, oh, okay, that's a bit uncommon. So I think in that sense, we are quite lucky. And I'm quite lucky to be blessed by everyone who's come and they're like, wow, you also can do. So it's more like a positive Mm. kind of thing, I would say, rather than like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. Although I would say that the negative stereotype comes more from being like a uni grad, surprisingly. So they'll be like, huh, you go to NUS, why you come and do this kind of thing? But I guess along the way, you figured out you still needed to, to um, understand how things work. What do you go about figuring out or studying in that sense? Oh, okay. So uh, when I went in, I was like, yeah, I know nothing about cars. Time to use my skills future. So I decided, you know, I needed to go upskill myself. I went back to Nian Poly to do all the short courses about cars. And wow, it was so complicated. I was like, this is so complicated. This, there's so much engineering in this. So like when, like back to my point on like the stereotype with education, right? Mechanics are so educated. They are so good at what they do. There's so much that goes into automotive engineering. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's just a mountain to learn. So I think that's the thing about the car industry because every year there are new models coming out, there are new like, ways to do things. So it's like a constant state of learning, I'd say. Yeah, I also see you have a National EV Specialist Safety Certificate. Uh-huh. So you're really yeah. getting the paperwork done and really upskilling yeah. yourself. Not only that, but I also have to take note of the business landscape, right? Where Mm. is the industry going and how we're going to improve our business so that we can face there as well. So that was also me like, okay, figuring out like, is it worth like investing or starting to save up towards something that we can do with the easy side? Yeah, I think one of the challenges, of course, is um, when you look at car workshops, there are plenty of car workshops. You have to figure out how do you stand out? Mm -hmm. What's the underlying um, strategy for you to figure out or stand out from the rest of the guys? I would actually say it's quite simple. Just two things. is professionalism and honesty. Mm. That That's really... Because I would say workshops do have a bit of a bad rep for like cheating people, I would say. Um, but definitely just trying to be the most professional that's out there and really telling everybody. Like, you know, honesty comes like through in my TikToks as well where I'm telling yeah. people, okay, this is the stuff that's going on and this is what you can do to save money. So you have the cost-efficient method and you have the other method if you really want to like change the whole system kind of thing. Yeah, this is a business built on trust, mm. right? So I imagine yeah. after two years working on that business, things mm-hmm. have started to um, move in terms of where things are, how mm-hmm. different is it right now? Are you still drawing mm-hmm. a salary? Do you have a salary or are you still in debt? No. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're definitely still in debt, very much so. But I would say thankful for all of the support, right? So we are slowly getting there. So we're slowly like climbing, snailing our way out. But just working very, very hard, continuing to work very hard. And always we have an issue with manpower. Mm. So 
me, my, myself and dad have to keep going into the workshop. Okay, time to pump tires, time to change tires. So sometimes it can get very tiring because on like, you know, in the day it will be running operations. I'll be like changing, not changing tires, but like pumping tires, wow. balancing tires. And in the night, then I'll be doing my marketing, you know, editing my TikToks and stuff like that. So you're the social media editor, you're the HR officer, uh-huh. you're the CFO. Uh-huh. <laughs> you are also... Sounds uh, about right. Wow. Sounds about right. Running so yeah. many things. Back, back to startup days. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a startup. Now, there are so many mm. things you have to focus on. And if you look at the future, where is the business going? What are you looking out for? Uh, I understand one of the things uh, that is on your radar is mm-hmm. the environment. How car workshops mm-hmm. can play a role actually in this equation. Mm-hmm. I would say that at the moment it's a bit expensive for car workshops to go into the EV side. So we are still relying a bit on the government to help out with that. But in general, for the industry, I feel like with how the world's getting smaller in terms of logistics, we definitely have to set up our own supply chain simply because the cost has gone up exponentially in Singapore. So definitely looking, I mean, because you're still a small shop, right? Even though, you know, I have all these grand plans and big ideas, you're still very small. So really looking at, at, you know, establishing a good supply chain, Mm. having lots of good partners, and also expanding our services. So when my dad started out, it was really just only tires. But nowadays, I would say the margins have been squeezed very, very thin, below 20, below 10%. So we do have to start looking at doing workshop services and other services, maybe like spray services as well. Oh, okay, so diversification yeah. uh, to other mm. things to just uh, drive the future growth for the business. Now, mm. I know it's been quite a challenge, but at the same time, I imagine there's been some parts of the journey that have been quite rewarding. So what has been some of the mm-hmm. best parts and most rewarding aspects of the past two years? Uh, rewarding, I think, was... So there was there were two points, right? So there was the first point when I was like having a really tough time. I still remember I had to pay a supply 2000 and I had to split it into like four installment payments. So I had like one week $500 kind of thing. And then that sense of fulfillment really came when I had like a bill, I think a couple months back, it was $2,000 and I could pay it off at one shot. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is the best feeling. And after that, being able to pay like rent on time. So whenever I get to pay rent, I'm just like, oh, I have enough money to pay rent. This is great. This is awesome. Yeah, so, so that I would say is like the most rewarding. And at the same time, watching your own baby grow right it's like growing a company you're like oh so happy you know it's growing it's doing well yeah so so i would say that's the most rewarding and fulfilling yeah congratulations on the journey so far uh we've been chatting with cordilla tan she is the director for pit stop tires who quit her job and broke barriers to revive her father's tire business cordilla all the best for your future and also i'm looking forward to more videos on tiktok and instagram thank you thank you thanks for having me to listen to more great interviews download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app that's a w e d i o Available on Google Play or the App Store.